Have you been considering leaving your job and starting something new that brings you more joy? Then stay tuned for the next episode with my special guest, Casey Berman, as he shares his key steps to leaving your job behind. Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on-demand training where we learn how to dream, believe, and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming trauma into treasure. Check out my website at shaysparks.com to learn more about the co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change. And while you're there, I invite you to connect with me with all my social media links, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. And today, our guest is the amazing Casey Berman. Welcome to the show, Casey. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. And Casey and I have known each other just a couple of months, and we have some mutual friends. So shout out to Scott Mason for connecting us. That's right. That's right. We also know Oleg and Bodie and, you know, all, all the good people. A great halo of people that have really, I'll tell you, I've really changed my life this year, having, having met all of them. So it's just been great and, and great meeting you and being part of your circle there. Well, I'm happy to have you on the show today, and I'm just so honored to have here your story and which brings me to, you know, tell us more about you. What it, what is it that you do and who are you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm kind of dark here uh, in the lighting and I, you know, say, I apologize to you earlier, but we had a last minute summer trip here. So I'm not in my normal home studio. So apologize to everyone if the video quality isn't, isn't as high, but that should not impact my message, hopefully. Right. My name is Casey Berman, and I'm coming to you from San Francisco, California. And, you know, I always joke, I was a Jewish kid who, who didn't like blood. So I didn't go to medical school. I went to law school. And that's about as critically as I thought about not only, not only graduate school, but my life path. Right. And I sort of thought I was the only one who, who went that route. And then I started a company, Leave Law Behind, where I help unhappy attorneys leave law, which we can get into more detail if you'd like. But through all of that, I realized that there were so many people who also did not think critically about their life. You fill in the blank geography, ethnicity, nationality. I just did it because, right? That's just mm-hmm. what you do and for family reasons and so on. And so part of that, what that that happens is that you start really living the beliefs and the mindsets of other people, of your parents, of society, of because you grew up and there was a certain lawyer show on TV that you liked, right? <laughs> yes. And and you did that. And that's all fun and good. You know, we want to make our parents happy. We need to make a buck. 
We need to live a good life. There's a certain matrix and game that we're in. I play all the rules. I eat with my mouth closed. You know, I shake hands. I say, please, I get it. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think kind of the, the, the enlightenment, as I've learned that term is really being able to kind of live in this world, but also realize that you're connected to something else. It is about having a foot in, in two places and not, not having split energy about it, but, but really, really aligning with being able to realize that you're, you're a soulful body and you're also what you think is, is manifested here. Right. And so part of my journey and what I do, which are kind of one of the same is really to help attorneys, those that are willing to listen, that want to listen to, to realize that there's more to life and help them help them find a better way. Mm, so beautiful. And, you know, it kind of goes along aligns, like I'm going to use your word aligns along with what we talk about here. So yeah. I always start off with the first, normally the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? No, it's a great question. I love that title that you use. I've been thinking about it and I'm not, and what's really come to me is, you know, when you think about an investment, you want to return on it. You want to get something out of it. Mm-hmm. So you want to buy a stock at $10 and it's going to grow without really any work from you to $20 and $30 and $50. You know, one of the main blockers that attorneys have to their career transition to, to going, leaving this job. And let me first say the world needs attorneys. We need lawyers. Right. So if, if, if being a lawyer is your calling and what you want to do and what you're passionate about, by all means do it. (laughs) There are just so many attorneys who are not a fit for it. They didn't think critically like I did. And there are just too many attorneys in the world, particularly in America. So one of the things that really blocks attorneys from leaving the law, from leaving this job. They're just not a fit with, there's imposter syndrome. They're not making that much money. They need to do something else. And so, you know, there are, by the way, there are 9 million open jobs in America right now. There are 7 million unemployed. And these aren't all just frontline food delivery jobs. Not that those are, are, are bad or anything, but there are many professional jobs out there. Okay. Just saying that. Yeah. One thing that still blocks unhappy, miserable attorneys from leaving their lawyer job for another job that they're fit with is this idea of return on investment. They want to get ROI mm-hmm. on their law degree, student loans. You see where I'm going? Law mm-hmm. school, yep. all the work they put in, right? <clears throat> Which begs the question, when do you know you got the return? Yes. Is it two more years? Is it three more years? Is it... X amount of dollars, like what, like, you know, you get your return on a stock when it hits the amount of money you want. I want, mm-hmm. I want to double my money. Great. You bought it at 10. It's now at 20. Now you can hold, you could stay in if you want more, but you see your return, right? Right. With children, you know, I have two kids. Maybe it's when you get them out of the house, when they get a job, I mean, who knows with children, if you're right. the final return, but there's, <laughs> there's stages, right. But, yeah. but there's some things that are murkier. So that's what keeps them though. Well, I'll just say one more year. Well, it, it's when I make partner, it's when I make senior partner or it's when yeah. there's no, there's nothing to peg it to. So when I think about, you know, what it means to really invest in people, it's this idea that there isn't a solid tangible benchmark, like you might find in stocks. There isn't a stock price that you peg it to, which makes it harder, but also makes it more interesting and, and, and more enlightening in many ways. And so when I think, so all of that to say, when I think of investing in people is a feeling, Mm. 
it's that feeling, which you could, we could say is happiness, but it's that feeling of you're, you're right where you need to be. It's a mm-hmm. feeling of joy. It's a feeling of bliss. And so <clears throat> when I think of what it means to really invest in people or to invest in myself, it's to find that feeling. Because if you really think about why we do anything, why we dress well, why we do our hair, why we get a job, why we do anything, it's to feel good. Yes. Which begs the question again, why can't we just feel good before we do anything? So that'd be my answer as as to why to invest is really, is really that feeling of bliss and joy, which is, Mm -hmm. which is really why we're here. Absolutely. What a beautiful answer. Thank you. It's, you know, you just kind of really hit the nail on the head when you talk about the return on investment. So my question is, you know, to anyone who's listening and they're listening to Casey's answer and they're like, yeah, do I want to invest a couple more years in where I'm at, whether it's in a law firm or you're on your own in your own career? The question is really kind of based on how you, what you said about the feeling. The question is to ask you at what cost, what is it going to cost you to be years unfulfilled? not filled with joy. You know, what is that costing you? What is your, what is it costing you in your health? Right. You know, so many people have gone through, been in a, I'll say toxic work environment and they're like, well, I just want to stay here because for the exact reasons that you mentioned, well, I have student loans or I've invested this many years anyway. And it's like, okay, but you have a choice. You can leave. There are opportunities elsewhere, or you can even start your own something, right? right? How often do you think fear stops most people in taking that next step? A hundred percent. All the time. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> and that's why, and in, in we have a, so at Leave Well Behind, we have a, a course, you think Masterclass or Udemy or LinkedIn Learning for attorney career transition. That's what we've created. Mm. And our first module is fear, how to mm. overcome your fears. We don't get until jobs until the last module. And people have said, why? You know, I want the jobs. Tell me what to do. And the point there really is, I don't want you going from an attorney job you don't like to a non-law job you don't like because I don't want you to make the same mistake twice where you just Mm -hmm. do it for stature or to make mom happy or whatever. So you hit the nail right on the head. It's fear, which the synonyms of which could be blockers, self-sabotage, obstacles, issues, whatever it is, thinking about concerned with other people, procrastination. Those are all fears and, or, or extensions thereof. And So the big thing is facing those fears and really overcoming those fears. And if you can't overcome them, mitigate them, reduce them. And if you can't really reduce them, just observe them. One practice we do with lawyers is to personify the fear because you cannot avoid giggling if you name it, you know, Perry procrastination, right. (laughs) Or, 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 uh, Auto, I can't think of a name that starts with you, but auto fear of the unknown, auto unknown, Mm -hmm. right? Or Debbie disappoint my parents. I mean, you're going to giggle and then say, what am I afraid of? Mm. Disappointing other people. There was a woman who left the law at a law firm in Texas. And when we really drilled down why she couldn't move forward, she was afraid of disappointing her clients. Sure. Of leaving. Yeah. How could you leave? And what I really told her was, I said, you have a a fiduciary duty to represent these people. 
And if your heart's not into it, there's another attorney who can step up and do it. Like it is in your client's interest for you to leave the law if you're not into it. Right. And she then had the conversation with them and they said, go ahead, be with your family, do something else. Just make sure our work is done. Can we transfer in 30 days? And, mm. you know, we love you. We miss you. We'll have you over for Thanksgiving, but yeah, tell us who else to work with. And it just, they weren't very disappointed. Right. It wasn't that big of a deal. It was in her mind. So there's a quote, um, John Lee Dumas, D-U-M-A-S. Mm-hmm. He has a, you know him. He, he's he got a great podcast. He just sent recently something that was really inspiring for me, which was, which hard do you want to choose? Mm. Do you want to choose the hard? And I'm going to butcher what he said, but he, he wrote it very well. But do you want to choose the hard and the difficult of being in a miserable job that you don't like? that you can't see your kids or whatever, whatever, whatever. Or do you want to be in the hard and the difficult of making a career transition, finding the job you love, which isn't that difficult. Right. Um, or do you want to, or do you want to choose the hard of starting your own business and being an entrepreneur? Not easy, but which difficult do you want to choose? And I've struggled with this. I've had a very employee mindset in my life. I'm a great employee, but becoming an entrepreneur has, has been, you know, much more difficult for me. It's, it takes different, different muscles. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, I'm in that, we're all changing. I mean, I'm in that process of choosing my own heart right now, my own difficult, which is, which is, you know, really ramping up my business and, and that. So. You know, it's so interesting because you're right. You know, fear will stop but show up as procrastination. It'll show up as overthinking. You know, I coach my clients to break through fear and to really identify what it is that's stopping them. And it comes from really, you know, childhood. You know, you talk about disappointment, disappoint my mom. And that might sound funny to the seasoned professional out there that's like, well, why, why would that matter if I disappoint my mom? But at the core heart of it, it's that you don't want to disappoint. And it started back by somehow you disappointing your mom, right? And that's what um, we don't even realize we're going through life making decisions that our childhood really shaped us to make decisions as adults from, I don't want to disappoint. That's right. It's a great way to put it. You're absolutely right. I'm going to start using it that way. And because I literally got an email this morning of someone who probably wrote, Hey, Casey, I didn't find the X, Y, Z, you know, where is it? And I had this initial feeling literally, I don't know, hour, 15 minutes ago, of, I didn't put the file in the right folder. Yeah. I'm 47 years old. And here I am worried about <laughs> whether I put a file in the right folder somewhere. Yep. It, it goes to that point about disappointment. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing to me how, you know, I work with military and former military veterans and that disappointment, man, that really comes back to childhood time and time again with, or our teachers like, Oh, I don't want to disappoint my teacher. And then it, I think it transitions as we get older into disappointing ourselves and and then we have responsibilities, quote unquote, responsibilities, what we think are responsibilities, as in our spouse, our children, our homes, you know, all these different financial responsibilities. And then we're like, oh, well, I can't. Right. So and that, again, is just all fear talking. It's not freedom. And so you have to I love what you're doing because you're really providing a space 
to attorneys to really see that there is freedom in making a different choice. It is in finding a better way, making a different choice. And so, you know, when you think about freedom, let's take a bank. You're concerned about disappointing the bank. And, you know, I lived through the yes. 08 crisis mm-hmm. where literally I had, I bought my home just six months earlier and I had a little baby and I literally had nighttime dreams and daydreams, daymares, nightmares around my house being foreclosed on, right? Sure. You were listening to the news. And so you had this idea of you didn't want to disappoint the bank, whoever that right, is. Right. You don't want to send your bill in late and you just don't, you know. And so the idea though is not, you can do this, but the idea is not to just sell everything and go live on a mountaintop, as, mm. even though you can. We're going to stay in the matrix. We're going to stay in the game. We just realize everything's okay. Mm. Yes. The bank is not. And then I read an article saying, you know how you know how difficult it is for a bank to foreclose on your home. <laughs> like it takes a long, long, long time. Time. It, it doesn't happen overnight. And and if you were to split screen and go to the bank, like there is some administrator at the bank who doesn't even know you. They're not even mad at you. It's just all right. We'll send out another notice, right? So whether it's the bank, whether it's a boss, whether it's a family member, everything is going to be okay. And, yes. you know, I think about my kids and I'm thinking like, where am I sighing? My, my son always says adults always sigh. And, and I wonder like, am I imparting on him that I'm always disappointed, you know? Mm. And so I don't, I don't want to do that. And so things like that have made me, have made me look at all the mistakes I'm making as a, as a parent, but it's true. You know, that fear really is what has kept me and, and what keeps many people as well as many attorneys stuck in, uh, in jobs they don't like. You know, I love that you talked about this point in the bank too. I just left the bank. I had an appointment there this morning and you're so right. It's something we don't even think about, but you know, an institution we can in our, and how fear shows up is, oh, we could disappoint that institution. So it's so true. So true. So take us back to when you had, or if you had a defining moment where you were like, you know, I don't think I can be a ret- attorney anymore. I think I can be a recovered attorney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I I knew when I was in law school, this wasn't really for me, but I didn't mm. want to disappoint and I powered through. Yeah. I finished it. Part of it is that I don't want to disappoint people. Part of it is you start what you finish type thing. Mm-hmm. And so I got through it and but I will. I, I got a great job, ironically, in-house counsel for a tech company. You know, dot-com boom, San Francisco, dogs in the office, gummy bears in the kitchen. I mean, you name it, right? Great job. And I saw where it would take me, and I was in-house counsel, Silicon Valley, and it just it sounded great on paper. It just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up leaving at the end of '04, but in mid '03, so it took me. 12, 14 months to actually leave. So it just shows how many obstacles I had and fears I had. Sure. But in 03, we flew to London. That's where the headquarters was. And we um, had an all hands meeting and we're in our teams and there's sales and business, sales and biz dev, and there's customer success and there's all these different teams. And it was rah, rah. It was, it was, it was great people, great people. We had a really, really fun time. And my group was the admin group mm. and they put a, a sticker right here, Casey Berman, in-house counsel, admin. And if anyone watching this is in an admin department and you love it, great. Just wasn't for me though. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, 
whoa, is that what I am? I'm, I'm an, I'm an admin. Mm. Even though I spent all this money on a law degree and I'm doing highfalutin law work. So that was a moment where I said, no, 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 I'm, there's more to me. I want to talk. I want to be on the front lines. I want to be, you know, I'm no Picasso, but I had a few creative thoughts. I just want to do other things. And I then the whole plane ride home, just writing in my journal of like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. I actually read that journal just recently. We read it years ago. That was back in 04. So that was one moment where it really hit me how I was being classified. And I had a, it was a sticker moment for me. It caused something inside me. And uh, within, you know, I would like to say within 14 days, but within about 14 months, I had to process it. My wife, you know, my, my fiance at the time, my wife, now we were getting married in a year, you know, there was a lot to, yeah. I, I, I sort of pushed down my ego fought me. How dare you leave the law? What are you talking about? Right. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of internal struggles, but, and then 14 months later, I, I left. Well, I think you just spoke to 98 point or 99.999% of the population. When we're taking a risk, you know, of course, we're going to have those internal struggles of, uh, I, I, can I even do this? And then it's, what am I going to do? And how do I know I'm going to be a success? And the question is, or the answer is you don't. you don't, you don't. And yet you've learned so much along the way. And I feel like that is really what gets your blood boiling and that, that fire underneath you to get you excited and pumped up and ready to take the next challenge. That's right. Yeah, exactly right. You don't. You begin to know more. And that's called being comfortable with the unknown. And you, you turn this really scary thing, the unknown, and become comfortable by, by doing it. By E.L. Dr. Rowe, he was a professor of writing. And he wrote about, he wrote this about writing and I've I've used it to describe life. I'll butcher it again, but it's something like writing or life is like driving a car at night. You can only see so far as your headlights, but you know, you'll get home that way. And it's the same thing in life. Our, Our headlights only shine a certain way. We only, we only know so much. We only know that we had that, that inkling or that heartburn or that, punch in the gut moment. Okay. What do I do now? I don't know what I'm going to do just yet, but I know something needs to change. And so that's where your headlights have, have shown and you'll go further and it'll, it'll come more into shape. So you just, like you said, I think it's right. You just, you just need to, to trust what you can see so far, but Mm -hmm. you're not going to know everything. So what, I know, Casey, you said you had 14 months. So did you try different things? Did you research? Did you look into or did you go, no, I know exactly what I want to do? Well, I think the first is a great question. The first thing I did was kind of just (laughs) ignored it. So for a week or two, just wait a minute, what am I doing? I then went to the CEO of the company to try to find a different role in Mm -hmm. corporate development. And he said, no, he needed me as the lawyer. And which struck me because I didn't, I, I had imposter syndrome. I didn't think I was even that good at it. And here he said I was good at it, which only confused me more. And, but so I stayed and I then looked into some entrepreneurial things that I could do. Really what I, I should have done is I, you know, I should have gone and gotten a job at Google and something. I should have gone to become a lower, a, a junior salesperson at at, and just grown with a tech company and gotten shares and options, right? But I wasn't thinking that strategically 
then. And hey, that's fine. There just came to a point where I said, in the summer of 14, I said, I'm leaving. I've got some money saved up. I'm getting married in November and I'm going to take off. I traveled a little, met my wife as my fiance, and we hung out a bit and traveled and then got married and then kicked off. And there was a lot of anxiety. I didn't do a lot of things right. I mismanaged some money and I, I didn't do my connections right. And I didn't apply to jobs the way I should have. I mean, you know, what really came out of it though, was the five steps of leaving law. And a lot of the the five modules we have in the program that I take clients through was really built on my experiences in 2004, 2005, 2006. I was just journaling and jotting ideas down. And then later on in around 2010, 11, 12, Above the Law, which is an online site for attorneys, I knew someone there and they asked me to write about how to leave the law. And so all of these notes and these steps that had happened, which I didn't really know, became a series of articles that you can still find. The first step of living the law, the second step of living the law. And then that then became my course. Mm. So all of my bumps and bruises from 04 and 05 and 06 were really hard to take. Don't get me wrong. I wish I had planned it better. And I encourage people to, to plan these transitions a little bit better, which is what we teach in the course. But it ultimately became really the the cornerstone of of how we teach lawyers to leave. Mm, beautiful. What a beautiful testament to really how you learned from, you know, hitting those obstacles. And if you hadn't have hit those obstacles, you wouldn't have learned those lessons to be able to tr- turn it into uh, a pro to turn it into a package, to a product, right? <clears throat> it um, is. And, you know, I, I think I, I'm really, I don't want to sound too, too crazy or biblical or, out there or California smoking something or, or ultra religious or whatever, but I really feel like a vessel. I mean, I, I don't even know where these things came from. Mm-hmm. I don't know the five steps. I just got it down on paper. I wrote some articles. I don't even remember reading the articles back or writing them. It's a blur. And and the course, the course, my business partner, Adam Allette, who's, who's, we call a brother from another mother. I mean, he's just been uh, my partner in all this and has been so instrumental in moving it forward. But it, it just it just kind of all came together. And I think that's really the sign of something that that you don't you don't think about it. You kind of you kind of feel into it more. Mm. So No, I, I agree with you. And I just want to kind of shift gears a little bit. You talked about journaling. And for me, I journal, too. And I feel like journals are the best way to really be able to, like, write down what you're going through and then look back later on, like you just talked about, you read an old journal. So you can really see the lessons that you've learned. So you might be able to help someone else. So how important do you think journaling has been for you? And then for your, I'll say students who take your course. So when the earthquake hit in 1989 here in San Francisco, right in the middle of the World, World Series, my grandmother May she rest in peace. She said, you know, you should write this stuff down. And so I got a little, it wasn't even a moleskin. It was, it was black with white, blank white pages down at the art store. I just started writing things back from that was high school time for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I then started writing on a computer years ago and I've, I've with kids, you don't always have time to write or so the excuse goes. And so I've taken my, my breaks. I've started journaling over the past few years again. And, and it's really just waking up in the morning and, and putting pencil or pen to paper yeah. and, and something, and something will come out. It's, 
it's like we were just up in gold country here in, in California. We went white water rafting and we actually just, you went right by Coloma, which is where they found the 49ers, the Eureka. Wow. Eureka moment. And which was great for California development, wasn't so good for the Native Americans who lived here, but that's a that's a different story. They have a great museum there, by the way, that talks all about all about if anyone's in in the foothills. But we we had a, a great time river rafting, but people are still panning for gold. Okay. Wow. It's great. Wow. You just see some people and they're having fun. They're seeing what they can get, but they're still panning there. We saw a few folks as we went by. And so I sort of think of journaling in a similar way. Like if mm-hmm. I just write and write, um, and I have horrible handwriting, so it's even more difficult for me. And I try not to type. I try to write something. You get these nuggets. Yeah. You, you get these little things and you go, ah, okay. Okay. We were gone this weekend, but on Friday, just writing something. And this thing came out about the stages of my career. Mm. V1.0 lawyer, V2 stage 2.0 was around management consulting. And I, I did a lot of work with fortune 1000 companies and so on. And then stage 3.0, which I'm kind of, which I'm in now was, was, you know, entrepreneur and, and building businesses and coaching and all that. But I, and which sounds right, like, great, Casey, what a nugget who, who knew that. But for me as a person, I, Okay, it just it kind of explained very tersely you know, the past mm-hmm. twenty years of my life, right? And you just okay, I like I like how that's described. So you have these little nuggets like that that are that are really enlightening. You know, I think that's the best part about journaling is being able to literally almost kind of uncover some nuggets, like you said, inside your brain, your memory that you didn't even know is there. It's not sitting in your conscious level that you're really tapping into an unconscious level and being able to pull it out. I think through journaling, there's something magical that happens. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I started journaling over 20 something years ago. I'm only 25, but, um, (laughs) and it was the first time I was like, I literally started off with, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm going to write about. And I just kept writing. And next thing you know, Within that first sitting, I literally uncovered how I used to have anxiety attacks growing up. And it never crossed my mind that that's what they were, you know, at that stage, because back then we didn't call them that. But it wasn't until writing that I was like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. That's what I had grown up about. So there's something magical that happens. And for everyone listening, let's keep this simple. My journal right now is a is a three ring is is a binder is is yellow is a you know, white paper lined, I don't know, yeah. I haven't been in school, you know, whatever they call it, but I mean, it's, it's, it's 99 cents at the, at yeah. the Walgreens, right. And, and a pencil and a pen and just, and, and journaling really use it's writing, just write and just write. And if, if you can't write, if you're not thinking anything, just write a word, just write, you know, Golden State Warriors, Golden State Warriors, SF Giants, SF Giants, 49ers. I want to go to the ballpark. I love going to the game with my dad. I love my dad. I love my dad. But there were issues. What was the issue with my dad? He, I didn't want to disappoint him. Oh, and then all of a sudden, yes. I want to be a good dad. I'm modeling my dad after being after my dad. I'm I'm trying to be a dad like before you know it, you go from Golden State Warriors, <laughs> right? Or your yeah. team of choice. Yeah. But the Golden State Warriors to how your father. Mm-hmm. is influencing how you're raising your own children. Yes. Just keep, just 
just keep at it and, and just really be open to that shift. Don't write 49ers a million times, but just like 49, 49, 49. I want to go to the game with the Niners. I love going to the game. I love candlestick. I want to go see my dad, my dad, my dad, no Niners and my dad, my dad. My... You see where I'm going, but, but make yeah. it simple. Get a, get a, get a notebook and just write. Mm. I, man, you're speaking my language. That's yeah. exactly how my process was too. It's just, okay, what am I going to write today? And it got to the point where it was almost like <clears throat> addicting because it was like, Oh, what, what nugget am I going to uncover today about myself? Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. So what is next for you? You've developed this You're I don't want to call. Yeah. I'll say recovered attorney and you developed this amazing course and so what do you hope to see with helping other attorneys and, and what would be next for you? So I want to grow Leave All Behind. And really what I mean by that is I want more and more attorneys to realize that there is a better way. And they don't need to stay in these miserable jobs. I was watching in, in 2012, I think it was Obama and Romney, if I have the year right, they were debating and great people. I'm not getting political here. You can say whatever you want, like them, don't like them. But I remember looking at them going, is this really the best the United States can produce? Right. I mean, Obama was a, a one-term uh, Senator, didn't have a ton of experience. Romney was private equity. And, you know, so you're sitting there going, good, they're accomplished. But like, this is, this is running for leadership. Like, I think we can do better. And something hit me there that we in the world, and people have already said this, but it, it, it finally hit me that, you know, it, this is a bottoms up consciousness. And no knock on, you can knock the people on the top. I'm not going to. I'm just saying we should not just look to leaders for everything. Many people want to do that because it's easier, because they come from fear. I was talking with my Russian friend, and he lived under under um, the Soviet Union. And I was like, why do you like Putin? And his point was, he takes care of everything. I don't have to... I don't have to worry about it. Mm. I'm afraid of him, but he's going to defend me. Okay, I don't think Putin's going to defend him, but fine, if that's what he wants to believe. But there's this element, even of grown people, of mm. I'm just going to let's let's let the government take care of me. And you can mm. see it on the right, you can see it on the left, you see it everywhere. Yeah. So what really hit me when that when I was watching the two of them was good people, Romney and Obama. But like, I, I just have a feeling like. There's, there's more to it. There, like, this isn't the best we can do. And so I bring all of those potentially controversial statements to say that attorneys, there is so much good in people, but particularly in attorneys. When I think of all attorneys can do, and this is one of the blockers they have, well, I can only be a lawyer. I list 87 skills they can do. Listen mm -hmm. well, communicate well, tell stories, connect the dots, be the adult in the room, present under pressure, be calm under pressure, yell at people, stand up and advocate, upsell. I mean, I go on and on about all the skills attorneys have that are in demand in the world. Mm -hmm. And so what I really want the world is imagine America, imagine the world, imagine attorneys really achieving their full potential. Mm. 
really achieving that. You know, I'm a sports fan and think about when your favorite sports star or even celebrity or actor was unleashed, when they were in the role that just let them be who they needed to be. When they, you know, you, you think of Pat, you think of Mahomes at, in Kansas City. I mean, he is in the perfect offensive scheme. I know Thank Alex, you. That's my team, by the way. That's your team. I got it. <laughs> Andy Reid, it's a fit. I know Alex Smith from Utah went to San Francisco in 06, and he just had the wrong offensive coordinators. It wasn't the right scheme. He had four offensive coordinators. I think Alex Smith could have been a great quarterback. He just wasn't in the right scheme, right? And so so think about you as an attorney or as a person in the right offensive scheme. Mm. Think about you as an attorney or a person in the script written for you with the director that likes you, with the supporting cast. And that's what I want to do with Lawyers from Leave Law Behind is let them realize that there's an offensive scheme, there's a script waiting for them to step into it. And if they just literally take a few months, this woman left the law in four months. She joined mm-hmm. her course in, a, in, in April. She left in August, in a pandemic, by the way. Just, mm-hmm. I just want you to get right, right. We know where right. That's what I want from Leave Law Behind is really not for us to look at leaders and and just say, okay, I guess they're setting the standard, but for us to really set our own standard from a from a bottoms up grassroots level and to step into our own script, step into our own offensive scheme and really prosper. And, mm-hmm. and when we're prospering, then we're helping people. It just keeps going on and on. We continue yes. to help our own tribe. Then you create something for a great company. You create your own online course. You do your own podcast or write a book or your own coaching practice. And, and we're all helping each other. Yes. 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 I just want to clap and say, <laughs> preach, preach, preach. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So I am hearing what you're saying is really the the my hashtag that I live by for the last gosh, probably 10 years now is empowered people, empower people. And you're just so so many beautiful things. And you said something about the potential and really kind of finding that. And the word that shows up for me is being creative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And once they are in your course, they are able to really now create what their bliss looks like. So I know there's many people who are listening who are extremely logical and have tell themselves they have zero creative bones in their body. So what advice would you give them to say, how do I even start to be creative or start to create my next step? Yeah. So the first thing is if you go to the point of, I have no creative bones in my body, I'm not creative. I want to unpack that. So if you're an attorney, if you're a professional and you're listening, whatever job you do, whenever you look at an issue, you have to understand the issue here. What is the case at hand? What is going on here before you can solution it? Okay. You can't manage what you don't measure. So what, what is the data? And so if you really look at why you have a belief that you're not creative, it's because of to what we talked about earlier, a fear. Yeah. Now you thought being creative was, was for pansies. You thought it was a, <laughs> you're a guy and you thought it was a girl thing mm-hmm. or a girl. And you thought you were a woman and you thought you just didn't 
you just were low on the creative totem pole or you wanted to buck the trend, who knows what it is. You felt your family didn't appreciate creativity, so I want to go be more pragmatic. Maybe your family was very creative and now you feel like, well, you want to break away and you can't live up to them because my parents were more creative than I am. Mm -hmm. Who knows? But there's some fear that's making you believe the words you just said, which is there's no creative bones in my body. It could be societal. Like to be creative, you need to be Beyonce. You need to be that. Like, are you kidding me? There's no way I'm going to be that. Well, of course, but you can still be creative. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I would say is really don't, don't move ahead. Go to the core fear and blocker here, which is this idea that you don't have a creative bone in your body and unpack that. And if it is pragmatic patty, right? That you need to be pragmatic because your parents were pragmatic and to be creative was to be foo-foo and you don't want to disappoint your parents. You know, that's Debbie disappointment. That's pragmatic patty and stare that fear in the face. Mm -hmm. So that's the first step that I would say. The second one then is we do something called finding your unique genius, which are your skills and strengths. And it's kind of like strength finders, but very organic, very pointed. It's, it's a phenomenal process that we take people through and, and very pretty simple and straightforward. And what I would then do is really work on, since it's kind of hard to find how creative you are, do you paint, do you write, do you sing, literally focus on what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Are you a good speaker? Do you connect the dots well? Um, do you have a great presence? Are you engaging? Are you motivated? Are you a project manager? Do you herd cats? Like, are you an air traffic controller? All of that, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's how you're going to add value to the world, right? I mean, you think yes. about, about what you're doing right here and your unique genius is like, is, is speaking, is asking questions, is, is all the behind the scenes work, is how you present, is, is being bold and courageous. I mean, I can go on and on about your unique genius, right? And so, Find what we call your unique genius. That's how you add value to the world. And as you work on your skills and strengths, you sort of go back, you sort of back into your creativity. Mm. And someone says, God, you are such a creative speaker. I didn't even put those words together. And right. You your creativity. Mm, I love that. So those that. would be two, two steps or two beats that I would recommend people to, to use. I love that. It's beautiful. So beautiful. And I love that you brought, you know, you bring your steps of your, your, um, your program into with it too. So that's perfect. So we're getting close to the end of the time, but I want uh, people to be able to connect with you. Where can they find your course? How can they listen to you again? Cause I know you also do podcasts from time to time with some of our mutual friends. That's right. Well, thank you again. And our course, I'll tell you the course real quickly. Step one, overcome your fears. Step two, get comfortable with a new identity. I've always been an attorney. Okay. So become something else. Yeah. Step three, get a very good relationship with money. What are the issues? Money isn't the rich are not evil. Remember in the Bible, it didn't say the love of money is, is the root of all evil. It was the love of money at the expense of everything else is really how it's interpreted. Okay. It's that greed that's evil. Yes. Love of money, right? Yes. Four is then once you sort of have that delving foundation for is your unique genius, what am I really good at? What am I enjoy doing? And then step five, what job is out there? So that's the course. 
take it, run with those steps. I look, you know, we're, we're giving it out. So hopefully that can help people those steps, but you can find me at leavelawbehind.com, leavelawbehind. Uh, you can email me Casey, C-A-S-E-Y at leavelawbehind.com. Um, on LinkedIn, Casey Berman SF for San Francisco, Casey Berman SF. And I'm on a, a weekly podcast with mutual friends, Scott Mason, Oleg Logie, Survive to Thrive. And you can, we're uh, Fridays at 8.45 a.m. Pacific. We record there and we talk a lot about, a lot about these topics. So, mm, I love it. And thank you for for sharing your time and your expertise and just your creative aura. I'll say that because you can just see it shine through as you're talking. Oh, well, thank I didn't share enough light. So I apologize for that. <laughs> thank you. It was, an, it was an honor to be here. Keep, I mean, this, the work you're doing is, is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm just honored and flattered to, to have a small part of it. So thank you. Mm, well, thank you. And you, you don't need lighting when you shine through. <laughs> So you do that, Casey. And before we leave, I always like to wrap up with the last question of what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Ooh. So I talked about the highlight. I think right now, highlight, the, the headlights, EL Doctor, I, I mentioned that. Yeah. I think right now it's the, the, the John Lee Dumas, what difficult that came to me last week and I said, whoa, so which, which difficult do you choose? Which hard are you going to choose? I think I'm butchering it, but that's really what yeah. is resonating with me right now. I love that. I love that. And do you want to share with us what hard you're choosing? Yeah. So a few things um, on the family front, we've, we've homeschooled our kids even before COVID. They gave the middle finger to organize school many years ago, which was simultaneously confusing and just mind boggling and then also exhilarating and courageous. So it was, it was great. So we're pretty mobile and we went to Hawaii for a few weeks in August and we said, we got to come back here. So on the personal front are just some shifts. We live here in San Francisco. We want to stay, but just seeing your children just thrive in a healthy environment, in the water. They love snorkeling. You know, when you just see your kids, just, 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 uh, that's all I got. I I can't even put it into words. So on the personal front, there's just those, those sort of, those shifts. And then the professional front, just kind of growing into the, the business founder that I am and, and some, some difficult things just in my mind that I need to make from an identity standpoint of, of where I want to go, which, which I'm excited about. So I think those are two things I'm, I'm like right knee deep in right now. So. Well, I love what I'm hearing because it sounds like you're leading by example, by allowing your children to create, find their bliss and be creative about it. Right. So you're literally doing, um, you practice what you preach. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I know you took some notes because Casey is just a phenomenal storyteller, speaker, and he has so many nuggets of wisdom. So go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. And until next time, let's get fired up. Did you know that when you share the knowledge that you gained from an experience, it becomes wisdom? There is power in sharing your voice of wisdom inside a book to leave a legacy for generations to learn from your experience. 
and then add collaborating with other leaders, your legacy makes an even bigger impact. Like co-author Joe Bogdan, who shares in his chapter how being better has no finish line. He said his experience in the hashtag Firestarters book project has been nothing short of amazing. From him being a first-time author, he loved our supportive approach and we earned his trust immediately. If you're curious about joining the next collection of Firestarters co-authors, then join the movement today at firestartersbookproject.com.